Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Back in the 11 and 1200s, all over Europe, they started to build the big, beautiful Gothic cathedrals. They're still there. They're everywhere. There's hundreds of them in Europe. You go to a small town in Europe, they've got a huge Gothic cathedral. I think it's the reason to go to Europe. So you're walking into this 800-year-old church, and very often, right above the door, is a sculpture in stone of the Last Judgment. And Jesus is sitting on the throne. The people to his right are smiling, being pulled up into heaven. The people on his left are frowning, being pulled down into hell. And then, uh, not always, but fairly often, at the very bottom are ten women. Five of them looking up, smiling. Five of them looking down, frowning. And those are the ten virgins. Have you ever heard Jesus' story of the ten virgins? Here it is in a nutshell. The bride and her ten bridesmaids, the virgins, are waiting for the bridegroom to come to take them to the big wedding party. Well, uh, five of them get distracted, and when the bridegrooms come, only five of them and the bride get into the party because the other ones were off. And finally, they, they run over to the wedding party. They knock on the door, let us in. And the bridegroom says, I don't know you. And Jesus said, you must be ready, for you do not know the day or the hour of his second coming. What I want us to do for this program is to learn all we can <clears throat> from the parable of the ten virgins. Would you take out a Bible? Turn with me to Matthew 25. Jesus tells this story on his way to the cross. He's about to die uh, fairly soon after this parable is told. Let's pray. Father, we do want to pray that everyone listening to this program would be ready. That if they die tonight or the second coming happens tomorrow, how, whichever, that we would be ready to stand before Christ and that would we, we would get in and not be shut out. God, we pray that you speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, Jesus said, Then the kingdom of God will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. First lesson I want you to get from this story, virgins exist. <laughs> If you watch a lot of TV, MTV, TMZ, uh, Entertainment Tonight, if you read People magazine, you get the impression nobody's a virgin. All these Hollywood movie stars are having sex outside of marriage, having kids outside of marriage. Well, that's a lie. There have been millions of virgins for 2,000 years in the Christian church. Virgins exist. And the other thing I want to tell you, born again virgins exist. These are people that blew it, had sex outside of marriage, and then they say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm going to be pure now between today and the day I get married. So don't listen to Hollywood. Virgins exist. So 
I have a very liberal relative, and she says to me in front of her teenage daughter, and, and this relative says she's a believer, she goes to a very liberal church, she says to me, I don't think anything's wrong with living together before you're married. And I said, 1 Corinthians 6, fornicators don't go to heaven. And I made sure her teenage daughter heard that too. Um, listen, virgins exist, and if you're a single Christian, God is expecting you to wait until you're married. And if you didn't, become a born-again virgin. Look at verse 2. And five of the virgins were foolish, and five of the virgins were wise. Here's the next lesson. Being a virgin won't save you. We're going to find out in this story, half of the virgins were lost. And a lot of people think, well, as long as you're a good person, you're moral, you lead a good life, you're virginal, that'll get you into heaven. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you can be a virgin and damned. In ancient Rome, they had the Vestal Virgins, these women who were dedicated to the, to the false gods. They were virgins, too, because if they were caught with a man, they were buried alive. They were virgins, but they worshiped false gods. So you can be a virgin, but that won't save you. And why won't that save you? Because you're not a virgin in every area of your life. You might be sexually a virgin, but you might be a gossip, or you might be self-centered, or you might be greedy, or you might have a sharp tongue. Uh, the reason being a virgin won't get you into heaven is because nobody's a virgin in every area of their life. We're all damned. Everybody's got something. We're all damned because of our sin, which is why we need Christ to save us, whether you're a virgin or not. <laughs> I I'll explain it like this. I, uh, we're taping this up in Minneapolis. I grew up in Omaha, 390 miles south. Now let's say you stand next to me, <clears throat> and we're going to see who can jump the furthest to Omaha. And let's say I jump six feet, and you jump nine feet. <clears throat> For you to turn around and say, yeah, yeah, I'm closer to Omaha than you are, is ridiculous because we're still both 360 miles short of Omaha or 90 uh, miles south of, uh, short of Omaha. My point is, you might be a little bit better than somebody else, but every human on the planet is still so sinful and short of the mark that we need Christ. I'll put it this way. It's $10 to get into the movie theater. You've got a quarter. I've got a dime. Which of us is getting in? Neither of us, unless somebody comes with $20 and pays our way in. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid our sin debt to get us in, which is why everybody, virgin, non-virgin, sinner, horrible sinner, we're all sinners, it's through Christ alone. Let's look at verse 7. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps when the bridegroom came, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise virgins answered, No, there will not be enough for us and for you two. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Here's the next lesson. You cannot borrow someone else's faith. There's an old saying, God has no grandchildren, which means your parents and your grandparents can't believe for you. Well, my parents, I come from a Christian home. My parents were believers. My grandparents, my grandma was such a Christian. Great, but what about you? <laughs> you personally need faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You can't borrow from your parents or your friends. You need to know Christ to get in. Verse 10. 
And while they, the uh, foolish virgins, were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Here's the next lesson. Being ready will save you. Five virgins got in because they were ready. And that's why on those cathedrals, five of them are smiling because they're getting in. So let, here's kind of the big question for this show. Are you ready? I remember years ago jogging through a graveyard. And I looked down at one of the tombstones, and I still remember what it said. As you are now, I once was. As I am now, you are sure to be. Then it said, be ready for death. So let me ask, are you ready for death? Do you know where you're going to go when you die? Will you get in? I have a friend a few days ago, he and I were talking. Years ago, he got a terrible report from the doctor, and it looked like it was all over. And he said to me, yeah, during those days, I had to really wrestle with, am I ready for my death? And he said, and I, I was, and then God healed him. He's still around. And then a few days ago, a friend of mine got a bad report from the doctor, and it doesn't look good. And I said to him, you know, we need to hold forth before our faces two truths. One, one truth is, I might really die from this. You don't want to live in denial like my, some of my relatives do. I'm not going to die. No, no, you might really die of this. But the second thing you need to hold before your eyes, God really might heal you. He does do that kind of thing still. God extends people's lives often. So I said, I don't know which one God's going to do, but both are true. And then, was it yesterday, I got a phone call from a woman who got a terrible doctor's report. And she's really, uh, unless the Lord does something, it's, it's, it's kind of over. And she said, Pastor Brock, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've got a sin I need to confess. And she said, I haven't been able to get the assurance that I'm forgiven for this. So I need to confess this sin to you and have you, you know, absolve me. So she con confessed the sin, I think she did 40 years ago. And uh, she confessed her sin. I announced to her that through the blood of Christ is atoning work on the cross. Your sins are forgiven. And see, she knows in her head, she's a believer, she knows in her head her sins are forgiven. She, especially this certain sin, was hard getting it into her heart. But my point is, she really wants to be ready for her death. Are you ready for your death? Look at verse 11. And later the other virgins, the foolish ones, came and said, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert. Here's the next lesson. Beware of putting Jesus off until later. I think the dumbest words in human language are the words, I will become a Christian later. Years ago, I was talking with a 16-year-old girl, and uh, she said to me, well, I, I know you're probably right. Uh, my parents are Christians, and, and I'll be a Christian too later, but I'm a teenager. I want to have fun first, and then later I'll accept Christ. 
And I said to her, you've made two mistakes. Number one, you can die at age 16. It happens. There's an old saying, he who waits till midnight to repent often dies at 1130. So I said to her, this is not smart for you to put this off. But you know the second reason not to put Christ off? Your heart can get so hard that you can't turn to Christ later. When I was a young preacher, I thought that if you knew for sure you were dying, you'd come to Christ. What do you got to lose, you know? But I've seen differently. I remember going into the hospital room of an older man who was dying of lung cancer, knew he was dying. I shared Christ with him, and, and would you like to receive Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? And he said, no. And I'm kind of like, what have you got to lose? Why would you say? And I said, why, why don't won't you do this? And he said, I haven't had any use for God up to this point in my life. Wouldn't be right for me to turn to him now. His heart was so hard. Beware of putting Jesus off until it's too late. Years ago, there was a Norwegian pastor. And a certain woman and her children came to his Norwegian church every Sunday. The dad never came to church. One day, the, the pastor went over, knocked on the door. Mr. So-and-so, your wife and children are in church every Sunday. Shouldn't you be in church worshiping the Lord with your family? Well, dad never showed up. I think the pastor tried it one or two more times. Dad never showed up until dad showed up as the corpse in the coffin for his funeral. And according to the story, during the sermon, the pastor left the pulpit, went down and pointed at the coffin and said in Norwegian, Forsint, forsint, which means too late, too late, too late for you to come to church now. If you're watching this program and you're thinking, okay, I'll become a Christian someday, become a Christian Today, he who waits till midnight to repent often dies at 11.30. You've got an eternal soul. Be smart about that. Come to Christ now. One more lesson is verse 13. Jesus said, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. Last lesson is this. Always be ready because you don't know. You don't know your last hour. And I want to say this, beware of preachers on TV who say things like this. Well, with all the tornadoes and all the hurricanes, uh, uh, we've never seen a day like this. And we know that with all these natural catastrophes, Isaiah chapter 7 is being fulfilled. We're in the very last days of the planet. They don't know that. <laughs> Jesus said, you don't know the day or the hour. So always be ready is what Jesus said. Here's a woman who had some uh, friends in the living room and she and the other ladies were talking about the second coming of Christ and having a little Bible study and her little daughter overheard the, the discussion. Well, after the women left, mom can't find her daughter. She looks all over the house. Finally, mom goes way up into the attic and here sitting in a white dress in front of the attic window is her daughter. Darling, what are you doing up here? Well, I heard you say Jesus is coming back soon, and I wanted to be ready to meet him. <laughs> That's a picture of how you and I should live. You don't know when Christ is coming back. It could happen tonight 
or you don't know when you're going to die. It could happen now. So let us be long, longing for, waiting, looking for our redemption when Christ returns. Let me just close with something kind of personal here. Five of the virgins got in. Five of them were shut out. Let me just share with you the worst dream I've ever had in my life, and I think it was from the hand of God. And here's the dream. Years ago, I was being very tempted to leave the Christian uh, life and to go into a life of sin. And I had a dream. And in the dream, I died and I went and I stood before the gates of heaven. And the gates opened up and beautiful music poured out. And then a large crowd dressed in white came to meet me at the gate. And in the front row was my dad and my brother. And I started crying. But then it dawned on me in the dream, I had rejected Christ before I died. And I wasn't going to get into those gates. And in the dream, I start wailing. And then my jaw snaps shut. And I heard a loud grinding noise in my ears. It was the gnashing of my teeth. And I woke up. <laughs> oh, and I'm still a Christian. <laughs> Listen, there's a heaven. There's a hell. You've got to be trusting in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You don't want to be like those five virgins on the cathedral door frowning. You want to be one of those virgins that are smiling because you know Christ, you know forgiveness of your sins, you know where you're going to spend eternity. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with them. You know, Pastor Brock, in light of what you preached this today, where does the Bible say that sex outside of marriage is wrong? Yeah, somebody recently said, I got a nephew who's living with his girlfriend, and they say they're believers. Where does the Bible say it's a sin to have sex outside of marriage? There's a number of places, but the biggie uh, is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'll quote the most relevant verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. Paul the Apostle writes, Do not be deceived. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Neither fornicators, that's sex outside of marriage, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor robbers, nor revilers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such, you, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. That verse teaches that you can be forgiven for that, but if you're living in impenitent sin, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So I think it's, you know, if anybody's watching the show and you think you're a Christian because you believe in Jesus, but you're living impenitently in any of those sins, according to that, you're not going to heaven. Well, I, there was a preacher once that said that those that are living in sin will be saved if they believe in Jesus. Yeah. How can you live in sin right. and still believe I, in Jesus? I, I, here's true? the deal, Jackie. We all sin in thought, word, and deed daily. And then we repent when we sin. There's a difference between that and living in impenitent sin. And if somebody is living in sin, they're not repenting, they're not sorry, there's no battle at all against sin in their life, then they can say they believe in Jesus, 
But believing in Jesus is, is trusting him with your life. And if you're living in impenitent sin, you're not trusting him with your life. You're, you're not saved. You know, Tom, I think probably the t two most heinous crimes type things is, first of all, somebody commits murder. Okay. And secondly, I think adultery yeah. is, it's, you know, the person, you hurt so many people yeah. if you commit adultery, yeah. I think. Can you tell me if a person who's had either one of those, committed either of those, can still get into heaven? Um, David, King David committed murder and adultery, okay. and we know he's with the Lord. So I'm not telling anybody to do it, but if there's true repentance, I mean, the thief on the cross, Jackie, he uh, was a thief, but we know he got into heaven because Jesus said, today you're gonna be with me in paradise. So uh, yeah, it, 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 all sins are forgivable. Jesus said the only unforgivable sin is when people blaspheme, revile, talk evil of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus said is an eternal sin. You know, it's kind of funny you just brought that up because my next question was going to be to ask you if you believe if someone leads a sinful life but then turns to Christ right before they die. Yeah. I mean, Is how that, do you know that they will be saved? Well, Is that a, really, does that happen that people... Well, here's the deal. I, I, years ago, I preached at our church about Ted Bundy who committed murder on those women and... He converts to Christ in prison, does an interview with James Dobson, <coughs> and talks about how pornography yeah, got into him. And I preach that if, if Ted Bundy meant business, if he was truly repentant, and if he truly put his faith in Christ, that he's in heaven. And that one of, our, one of the people of our church thought that was horrible because that wasn't fair. Well, we're all Ted Bundy, one way or another. So, yeah. Thank you for being with us this week. We prayed. Oops, sorry, Jackie. We oh. got. She was waving her fingers. It's five minutes we got left. Oh, yes, so you can keep minutes. moving, oh, Jackie. Oh, I can still tell you and ask you another question. <laughs> That's good because I have a couple more that I'd like there to have go. answers. Is it fair that someone can live an evil life and then yeah. be at the last minute they can be saved? Right. Is it fair? Well, Jesus told a story on this, if you remember, that 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 the 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 farmer is hiring these these hands to do his farm and he hires one early in the morning who works all day through the heat of, and then he hires one right before quitting time they both get the same pay and they they complain well that's not fair and jesus, jesus being the farmer says well don't i have the right to do what i want with my money and my farm and so his point there is there are people who get into heaven by the skin of their teeth their last moments they come to Christ like the thief on the cross. But St. Augustine back in the 400 said something. He said, the thief on the cross is in the Bible to teach us not to despair. But he said, there's only one thief on the cross in the Bible to teach us not to presume. Like we're gonna have that opportunity. I said on a, a previous show, Jackie, those who wait till midnight to repent often die at 11.30. <laughs> so don't presume on that, but it is still true. Mm -hmm. yeah. If a person has a friend who may die soon, what should that person do to tell them to make them ready for their death? Yep. You I, know, we hear of someone that's suffering with something mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's not gonna be mm -hmm. uh, possible to cure. Yep, and you know, uh, people will send the priest, I'm not a priest, I'm a Lutheran pastor. People think I'm a priest because I wear this, I'm a pastor, and they call for the priest. Well, you can be the priest. And here's what you, you can give, quote, last rites. What you do is, if there's an unbeliever who's dying, 
or, or maybe they're a believer and you just don't know, you talk to them about their eternal soul. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God who lived the perfect life you couldn't, who died on the cross in your place and rose from the dead? If you don't, would you pray now and receive Christ? And then you ask them, have you ever been baptized? They've never been baptized. You can do the baptism. I mean, I mean, it's nice to take them to the church and have the church do it, but any believer can baptize in, in cases of emergency. So that, that's how you share the gospel with someone on their last days. Yeah. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Why did he tell parables? <laughs> well, people think, well, Jesus told parables to tell the stories to make the truth easy to understand. You know, Jesus said the exact opposite. Why did the disciples say, Jesus, why do you speak in parables? And he said, so that those who see may not see, and those who hear may not understand. And you know what? The parables, um, Jesus would tell a parable to the crowd, and then later he'd explain the meaning in, in the house to the disciples. And so it was, Jesus told the parables initially just to the disciples who made things clear. Now later, when the disciples wrote the Gospels, it became clear to everybody. But at that point in time when Jesus was on earth, he kind of was hiding his Messiahship because they had the wrong view of the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was going to come and kill Pontius Pilate and get rid of the Romans. So Jesus, in a way, hides his Messiahship, hides some of the meaning of the parables until he dies on the cross to accomplish the, the true Messiah work he had come to do. And then later, the apostles write the Gospels, giving the meaning of the parables that they got privately. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting when we break the Bible up to see all the different things, and then, but to put them all together in your mm -hmm. head is a little bit it, harder. It is, and so I always encourage people, get a good Bible commentary. Buy the ESV, okay. English Standard Version Study Bible. And, and I, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been a pastor for 40 years now almost. I still read the Bible with commentaries, with study helps, because there are some verses that are hard to understand. So buy the ESV study Bible, everybody. You know, another thing too is we've joined a Bible study fellowship group, and uh -huh. it is really, truly a blessing. Yeah to study God's word yeah. with other people. It sure is, and, Jackie. You know, That's where your faith comes alive. You know, you can be a Christian and go to church on Sunday morning, and, but when you get into a small group Bible study with other Christians, that's when people's faith really comes alive. Well, Jackie, um, we're coming near the end here, but can I just say thank you to everybody who prays for this show. Thank you for your donations that help us uh, keep going. What we do, as you know, when we get enough donations, we add another city. And so uh, we've been able to add a number of cities. So just keep praying for us. And, and remember that five virgins got in and five didn't. And so we're going to ask you to pray about that as you go to bed tonight. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study. 
P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.